Day 29. It was great to see the Black Ferns women's rugby sevens team winning New Zealand's 50th Olympic gold medal. By my calculations, 30 of those have been won sitting down. In my current condition, I found that quite encouraging. I also enjoyed the determination of the Dominican Republic runner to storm through for silver in the 4x400 mixed relay. I am thankful for the reminder to run in such a way as to get the prize, which some days I definitely need. As I sit, crawl, kneel and hop, I will not be winning any Olympic medals. Today I am thankful for seeing the joy of those who do, and I am grateful to be able to run in pursuit of an even greater prize. Paul writes to the Corinthians about this, who I suspect liked their sport. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out myself. ...of an event in the Games is lauded for their performance and rewarded with tokens of success. They're cheered by the crowd and fated by the media. The memory of this victory stays with them, but the applause dies down, the crowd dissipates, and in time their greatness is overtaken by another. When it comes to praising the Lord, it is a different matter. His greatness is not superseded, neither is his praise limited to enthusiastic supporters in a venue. When it comes to praising the Lord, the sky is not the limit. Psalm 29 is entirely focused on who should praise God and why. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The who is all-encompassing. 
It includes heavenly beings or mighty ones and all the people in the temple. No matter how high or low your place in creation, the Lord is worthy of praise. David says nothing about his own circumstances and asks nothing for himself. This is a song about the Lord. In fact, the name of the Lord is mentioned 18 times here. As for the why, the Lord has glory and strength. He is worthy of praise and should be worshipped in the splendour of his holiness. This could be like meeting a very important monarch in their beautifully ornate palace. But David has much more in mind. This is not a territorial God who quietly inhabits a geographical place. This is the Lord of everyone and everywhere. And this is a God who speaks. The presence of anyone without hearing their voice is a worrying thing. Who's there? Or what do you want? Are questions that probe the unknown. What is true of people is even more true of God. The presence of God without the word of God is a deeply troubling and foreboding eventuality. The God of the Bible is a God who speaks. He does not leave us to divine in the dark to discern what our response should be. It was by the word of the Lord that the heavens and the earth, the land and the sea and everything who dwells there was brought into being. The voice of God continues to be heard. The language here likens the voice of the Lord to a storm. There are seven mentions of the voice of the Lord, and they all emphasise power, might and glory. The voice of the Lord rules over the sea. It thunders over the mighty waters. It is powerful and majestic. It breaks trees, even the legendary cedars of Lebanon. It is almost as if David contemplates a storm and sees comparisons with the voice of the Lord. There is something awe-inspiring about being in a big storm. I remember being in such a weather bomb in Fiji once, where lightning lit up the sky and thunder rolled and boomed at a volume that made me jump. I was soaked to the skin by warm rain, and it was a little frightening, but completely exhilarating. Associating the voice of God with thunder appears other places in the Bible. In Job, for example, at this my heart pounds and leaps from its place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. When his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvellous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. The illustration is, of course, only an imitation of the reality, but it is a striking picture. Sometimes we count the seconds between a thunderclap and lightning bolt to estimate our distance. The storm described here is very close. The details in the psalm are graphic in their description. Cedars are shattered. The forests and the mountains are shaken. 
It is as if David is surveying the damage caused by the storm and looking at the devastation of oaks twisted and forests stripped. If you're in a safe place, you're able to view a storm differently, watching the rain pounding the triple glazed windows or hearing the wind buffeting the solid stone home give you a different appreciation of elemental forces. David views this devastation from the security of God's temple and from there can only cry out glory to God. The aftermath of a major cataclysmic event brings to mind another. The word used to describe the flood is only also used in the Genesis account of the flood. This is not just a reference to a deluge or a significant meteorological event. It is a theological reference to the judgment of God, the power of God, and the promise of God. The Lord is king forever. His rule will never end. One of the prophecies in the Old Testament that is often read at Christmas comes from the book of Isaiah. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God will indeed reign forever through one who will reign on David's throne. This same Lord then and now gives strength to his people and blesses us with peace. The Lord is with us through the storm and looks after us.